Welcome down to the North Star Community Podcast. I am Scott, one of the pastors at North Star Community, here to lead a conversation on the weekend message, just like we always do. I am joined today, as always, by... Teresa. The other pastor. Absolutely. The other North Star pastor. Since you were not going to introduce yourself. <clears throat> My name needs no introduction. <laughs> very funny well that's we're starting with a lot of attitude that's right but what other way is there to do it i don't know i felt like last week's podcast that we did just lacked our normal vim vigor and vitality so i'm going to try to bring a little more energy to this one yep and boy have i got plenty of reason to have energy yeah yeah, so this message was one that um, you gave right after you were on vacation, which means you had a little extra energy. I did. Um, I, came, I came in loaded for bear. <laughs> and um, if memory serves, now granted we're on about a month from when it was, from when you gave it, but this one was a memorable one for me. Now, I what, what I don't remember is the, the exact order of how everything unfolded, but you know, what I do remember is there was this really, really memorable quote that you gave from a famous, uh, from a Christian leader. Yeah. And um, I guess you back up for one second and say that this message was the first in a series on what is God up to? Um, trying to figure out, um, you know, I think there's a lot of questions often about how do we see God at work? Where do we see God at work? How do we know what to attribute to God? How do we know what not to attribute to God? That kind of thing. And while I don't know that we did a um, a super thorough job of answering all of those questions, I think we gave some ideas that maybe um, at least are a little bit different ways of approaching these questions than what you typically get. And um, you started... Um, I think addressing this idea of, um, well, let me back up again. I think there's um, often a lot of fear that that God isn't really that active in the world anymore. Right. You know, people look at the the biblical stories and they're like, God's speaking or he's doing something. And, you know, we don't see that happening anymore. And people are so used to watching the news and being afraid that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Where could God possibly be in a world like this? And what are the explanations for for why we see all this madness and mayhem and yada 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 and you know how do we how do we sort of have any confidence that God is present um, given what we see? So I know I'm doing a lot of talking, but I think that leads to uh, that's kind of a lead up to the quote. Um, that you started this message with. At least I think that's how you started this message. It is. And then to, to also introduce it by saying that, um, to give a little personal background to the story, is we had just come off a of vacation. And we this was our uh, vacation that we take at the end of the summer uh, every year. Please, God, let us keep it, being able to do it because it's so great for us to get away, and it's very peaceful and very quiet and very boring. And then right in the middle of it, we go to our alma mater to watch a football game. Um, and so that means we head to Charlottesville. And um, on this particular weekend when we were on vacation, um, the Friday night before was 
Raise the Banner. And for those of you who don't know what Raise the Banner was, it was Raising the Banner because UVA won the NCAA Basketball College Championships. And um, this was celebrating that. It was Raising the Banner. They got their very gaudy, big diamond rings. And it was really awesome. And and what I think should matter to everybody is the spirit of the tone in the room. And I was, I felt like I worshiped that night. Uh, Not because my team won, but because of the tone with which Tony Bennett spoke. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not about the victory, but about the defeat the previous year when they lost the first game. Leaving there led me on, we would return to our lake, Mm-hmm. where I do a lot of studying and reading and boring things that other humans don't think sounds like vacation. And in my studying, I came across something that was quite the contrast from a Christian leader. So I'd had this experience mm-hmm. and had a lot of thoughts about that and then came across this. I'm not going to tell you who the Christian leader is, but if I did, every single one of my listeners would know this human's name. So this human um, person who has done a lot of really good stuff for the kingdom of God, um, I think, got it wrong. And uh, But this is what the person said about what God was up to in the world. Our nation is shaking its fist in God's face and telling him to get out of our politics, our schools, our businesses, our marketplace, off the streets. And since we have basically abandoned God, God has abandoned us. And so she said that God has abandoned us, backed away, taken his hand of favor, his blessing away from us. And she added that the September 11 attacks and the mass shooting in San Bernardino happened to show us that we need God and that we're desperate without him. So I don't think that this is at all confusing, that basically she's saying um, not necessarily that God caused it, but certainly God allowed it, and he allowed it because we weren't behaving well. Right. Um, And then she later said that um, we are under the judgment in God because, in part, we have embraced the theory of evolution um, she got all this into one interview, mm-hmm. and um, um, that there's just chaos at every level. And she went on to name several legal decisions that she disagreed with and um, concluded basically that God was going to continue to punish us until we repented. Mm-hmm. And I found that so disturbing that it came out of such a, uh, a, a, a big voice in the Christian community and that this is how we would be talking about God. Um, yes. I'm going to ask you some follow-up questions on that in a second. One of the things that I find interesting, it's actually quite a common strategy. You know, that there's a, um, there's a few other leaders, I think, that you could, um, I've got one in particular in mind, who's given similar lists these things have happened in the world, and therefore we know God has abandoned us because we've been 
naughty little boys and girls. But one of, you know, what's sometimes it's interesting to me what things end up on the list, right? So it's always um, political decisions that, you know, Christians don't, you know, historically agree with. It's attacks from other cultures. But nobody ever says, um, you know, um, Christian leader X, Y, or Z got caught in the bathroom with a prostitute and therefore, you know, uh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Right. Or nobody ever points out to the faults and failings of faith leaders and says, God's abandoned us. Right. Right, which I, I always think is very interesting. Like, we, you know, it's like a policing of everybody else. It's always what everybody else has done right. is the reason God's abandoned us. It's not, you know, we've done, I've done X, Y, and Z, and right. therefore we're in trouble. You know, I just find that to be an... I don't agree, even if you did it that way, I wouldn't agree with this mentality, right? But it's always very interesting that the problem is always out there. It's always the thems that have done it, you know, um, those people that have done something wrong. And I I thought about this in light of the fact that I knew that you and I were going to be talking about what is God up to in the world. And what a scare tactic to try to get people to behave in a prescribed set of ways, because I'm not going to go into all the things that this leader said was naughty, but it was a lot of judgment on people, mm-hmm. a lot of separating good from bad, and I didn't agree with her categories. Right. And she said that if we trusted God enough, that God would turn the weather away and we would never have bad weather because we it would be turned away. And can I just say, this is complete insanity, and I don't know why anybody would be find the Christian faith at all interesting, much less curious, much less appealing, if we keep talking like this. This is just crazy talk. And yet it's, it's, it, it has a certain appeal to be a fear monger, to try to whip people in line and get them to do what you want them to do. So you said after you read the quote that um, something about um, something about you know this way of talking about God was you know I can't remember the exact phrasing that you used, but essentially disturbing. You made it clear you didn't agree with it. So right, very upsetting what, to me. Right. What is the um, what are the exact things that you're keying in on um, that are disturbing you about this way of talking about God? Well, I think it's I think it doesn't honor who God said He was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a big fan of not honoring the totality of what Scripture says. I know it's confusing, but I think we should be wrestling with it. But what what specifically? Well, for example, when God said, I'm making a covenant relationship with you, and I am never going to leave you nor forsake you, Mm -hmm. or this idea that um, throughout the course of history, humankind has gotten on God's every last nerve on many occasions, and... um, Let's have a conversation about what it would mean to 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 be faithful without presuming that the weather is a reflection of God's wrath. That just mm-hmm. doesn't even make sense to me. Um, 
So what I was wondering about is, you know, kind of on a very basic level, the notion of punishment and reward. Well, I just, I just, um, I just, it's my understanding from the scriptures that God, uh, God's um, disposition towards us has been extremely patient. And although we can cite historically times when God has issued discipline and consequences, mm-hmm. um, well-deserved discipline and consequences, so if we want to have a conversation about that, we can, but not from a place of, of this sort of fury at a lack of compliance. Right. So uh, what, were you, what were you thinking about that? Did well, you have I any think, thoughts? Yeah, it's sort of the negative side of the, um, this idea that, that God, God is simple and easy to manipulate, and he's sort of a vending machine God who, right. you know, if you put in, you know, for, in the metaphor, rather than putting in a quarter, a quarter and getting out a bag of Cheez-Its, you um, pray and do the right sort of spiritual behaviors, and then you get good outcomes for life, right? right? Where there's no suffering. Right. And I don't see any reason, um, Old Testament or New, to believe that life is somehow about avoiding suffering through doing the appropriate behaviors. And I think that there's always a story that would get in our way of coming up with a formula to understand how God uh, works and relates to people. I mean, there's never, um, there's never a clear-cut path towards saying if you live in this kind of way and you do these kinds of behaviors, then you're going to have a hedge of protection around yourself. You know, and that that God's going to always protect you and He's going to prevent all bad things from happening. And or that's just not really even what the Bi- that kind of thing's not even what the Bible's interested in to begin with. Right. So the idea that you know, my big piece, I think, is just um, we would be God if we followed, if, if her way of seeing was true, which is we just repent and then we have paradise. You know, like that's that's right. essentially what she's saying is the dynamic here. It's not complex. It's not really a relationship. It's just, a, you know, I give you money, you give me stuff. It's transactional. You know, it's very it's, transactional. It is a quid pro Quo. Yep. Now, in contrast to that, I'm going to recommend a book in our recommendation section written by uh, Barbara Brown Taylor called Holy Envy. And in one of the chapters that I just finished rereading, uh, Barbara is talking about the fact that uh, we cannot control God. Right. So that is such a deep and profound contrast to this idea that if we would behave in a certain prescribed way, and then what she what Barbara do, does in her book, which is so fantastic, is she gives us all these scriptural examples of how um, uh, the Jews would call it righteous Gentiles come in and. Um, um, enrich the faith of uh, the Israelite people. So it, it, it's just this idea that God is completely uncontrollable 
in his love, his grace, his mercy, and the confounding ways he works in the world. Mm-hmm. And this lack of nuanced sense of of basically blaming 9-11 on the American people for not being good prayers uh, just doesn't work for me. It's Yeah, it strikes me it's also just a very... Um... It's a very simplistic attempt to make the world make sense. Like, we couldn't possibly envision a world where these things happened just because, or they happened because of evil that's outside of ourselves. It it has to be it has to be that we've done something wrong so that we can right it so that it won't happen again. Yeah. It's control. You know? And yeah, it's it's very much about human beings being in in control and um, having a well-ordered universe, you know, I get, I get why this works, and I get, I get why the terrorist attack happened. You know, there's like a very shallow kind of comfort that comes from being able to say, "I know why this happened." Right, and and not only is it an attempt to control an uncontrollable God, but it is also wanting to have control without responsibility. I could have had more capacity for listening if, to your earlier point, she had said all the ways that she was scared, that she was hurting her relationship with God because of some of the choices she was making. Yeah. Now that, that would have been an interesting interview, right? Well, also, you know, I mean, and I think this is the same point that you're making um, in a way. Uh, is it's kind of like saying, if you idiots hadn't screwed this up, we'd be fine. This isn't my fault. Right. Like there's this assumption, there's this kind of unspoken assumption that uh, it's the bad people that did this, right. not the people like me. Right. And that's the part that, that always really gets me is is this idea that there's, you know, certain kinds of people out there that are somehow doing this better than than, than everybody else. And, and sort of the, also the presumption to say that these bad people are bad because they don't worship the way I worship. And so that that's pretty disquieting for my spirit as well. But that was the negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then I went into a contrast with the speech that Tony Bennett made. And in that speech... What he talked about, although we were all there to celebrate, you know, we are the champions and all that stuff. Right. That's not what he wanted to talk about. What he wanted to say is, you know, I'm really glad we're national champions, but what was really meaningful to me, he said, was when we lost that first round the previous year. And because it was going to be a defining moment for me and the guys and for the University of Virginia. How are we going to rise above this suffering and this public humiliation? Right. And um, it was public, and it was humiliating. And he went on to say that he didn't, he, he, he didn't know how he would have ever um, borne up under it without his faith and his pillars that he, that they've, actually buried under the uh, floor of John Paul Jones Arena. 
Um, but, you know, these pillars, although I won't get the four all nailed down, but basically are these pillars of believing that uh, the Bible isn't about whether God is for us or against us. It is that God is with us. Mm-hmm. And um, that when God is with us, he expects us to do hard things um, in an honorable way. And I love that. And I think uh, the part that, that stood out to me now, the, uh, the UVA fan perspective on this is a little different than mine because, you know, Tony Bennett may as well be Jesus if you're a UVA fan, hence my comments earlier about wanting to throw up. But um, okay, which, he's not Jesus, <laughs> but he is definitely one of the disciples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was just, uh, I was just teasing and giving her a hard time. But um, the guy's got perspective. I mean, you can't deny it. He's kind of like it's a basketball game. You know, it really sucked to lose, and it really sucks to be a laughing stock. You know, and they went into that. You know, they went into that tournament um, as a team that was not respected. They were a number one. They might have been the number one overall seed, but they were definitely a number one seed because um, they had never that had never lost before a number one seed, and a lot of people just thought they shouldn't have been. And then it was like there's all these people see, saying, "See, I told you so," and it's right. just like losers. Yeah, it's just they it's lost like, to a sixteen. Even seed. though even though I went to Virginia Tech and I could care less, I was just like, "This isn't fair. This was a good team." Yeah, you know, this is not this team is not going to be and. You know, at the time, I think people thought, you know, this was your shot. You peaked. Right. You know, and, right. and you're never going to get back here again. You're never going to be a number one seed again. And look at how bad you blew that. And, you know, I just, even though I could, you know, like I said, I, I, I you know, couldn't couldn't be bothered one way or the other with them. But, I mean, my heart hurt for, yeah. for that team and for him because it was like, this just is not going to be a fair way of remembering what was a really good team. So anyway, you know, in some ways I wish the story had ended there because I think that his, you know, I honestly believe as a non-UVA, non-Tony Bennett fan, I honestly believe that he believes what he said, you know, and yes. that, and that um, you know, it's a much better story when they come back the next year and they get to raise the banner in a way but I think that he would be the same guy even if they had had a losing record and hadn't made the tournament. It's just kind of the impression you get listening to him. And oh, yeah. in a way, I think from yeah. a faith standpoint, that's the story that I want of like, look, guys, like we're, we're, we're moving right along. We're still okay. Yeah, we're not as good as we were. You know, I mean, I think yeah. and, and, I, I think people and I think need that those. would have been true. Yeah, and I think people need those stories because ultimately I think that's, more what life is about. Life is does not tend to be about overcoming in these really huge dramatic ways. You know, I think the ways in which we bounce back from the stuff that hurt us in life are much more subtle. Right. And I believe in bouncing back and I believe in overcoming and the ability to rise above problems or to incorporate problems into who you are moving forward in life and all that kind of stuff. But it tends to not be raising the banner moments. Right. And so I would, I just love, I would love that for people to have an example of somebody who was able to bounce back without a raise the banner moment to say, hey, I can still be a decent human being in this world regardless of my my championships. Well, you know? and and go and um, go on YouTube 
and look at the interviews of him post-loss mm-hmm. because um, he said, you know, at the end of the day, we lost a game, and there are people that are suffering in so much more profound ways. Right. This, this hurts our pride. This is yucky. But let's keep our perspective here. Yeah. So um, all that's to say that I found the contrast between this religious leader's perspective and his p- perspective quite jarring because I believe that what he believes about what God is up to in the world is really taking him the distance. Yeah. You know, because, I don't know, you've got notes from what I said that day. Um, What were some of those concluding points I made that I can't even remember? (laughs) I really liked him at the time. You'd laugh if I read the ones out because they're not going to make sense in the context of of our conversations, but... I think just, you know, kind of what you what you try to drive home is that there's these people essentially believe in two different gods. Yeah. And one person believes that faith is about being afraid enough of getting smacked that you stay between the rails, right. you know, that you that you toe the line and right. kind of behave and um really never really that kind of you well, we could say we've we've already kind of trashed that view enough, I think. Uh, but that you know, and the, and then this Bennett this uh, Bennett view is not outcomes focused, and it's not about living out of fear. It's that you know we've got these sort of principles or ideas about how God views the world, and we're going to try to allow those things to shape us and who we are regardless of our circumstances. So circumstances can be good or bad, but I can reflect a God of love right. in the midst of those. And I can so, be courageous. I can be a good leader. Yeah, and I think that, you know, it, it really, um, you know, it's not hard to envision a scenario where human thriving is part of the equation. Right. Where living out of fear, that never enters the equation. Right. You have no capacity to thrive if you're always looking over your shoulder. Right. You're just too you're too scared. Yeah, you know. So let me uh, let me tell you. Uh, I know this is sickening for all of you who don't appreciate Tony Bennett as much as we do. But I want to conclude with one one other Tony Bennett. Well, really, it's the story of Tony Bennett's dad. So Tony Bennett's dad doesn't like going to his games because he gets so nervous. Hmm. Um. But he went to the championship game, and he went to. And, and he went to, he was at several of the, I can't swear how many of the games he was he attended, but he was at the championship game. Right. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't but, yeah. matter. But somebody said to him, did you come to this game so that you could be here to celebrate um, with the team tonight if they won? And he said, no. I came here in spite of it just making me really anxious. I came here because if they had lost, I knew my boy would need me. Mm. That that was that was that was the father that Tony Bennett grew up with. Yep. A father who knew that he would be needed if his boy lost and he wanted to be there. And I just get teary-eyed just thinking about that. Yeah. 
because I think that that is exactly who God is. Yep. And um, he he just wants to be with us. Um, have we messed a bunch of stuff up throughout humankind? Absolutely. Has he been clear about that in the scriptures? Yes. Um, but he's been even more clear about how crazy he is about his kids. Yep. And I love that to pieces. And um, that's that's the God that I can surrender myself to. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was that was my message. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Now, if you weren't there, you know, one of the things she did is she unpacked all the all the times abandonment came up in the scriptures and made it very clear to us that even if you tried to to do things in accordance with that that first Christian leader that we talked about, you couldn't get there from the Bible. And um, I thought, you know. I counted, it, all, it, the, I, I yeah, counted all the abandonments uh, in the whole maybe Bible. Maybe a tiny bit tedious, but I think, you know, it helped uh, <laughs> It helped bring home the point, I think. and um, This is what happens when you go to the lake. <laughs> you take your Bible and you count the number of times abandonment shows up, yeah. what the context was. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can't get there. So you had something to recommend for us. Since I did. We uh, Barbara closing. Brown Taylor's. I mean, any any writing by Barbara Brown Taylor is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our friend Mary Krause gave me uh, a copy of her book, Holy Envy. Yep. And um, uh, Barbara teaches at Piedmont College, and. Um, she teaches a religion 101 class, and mm. it is the most fascinating book about how she, there were parts about every religion she taught on that yep. she had holy envy of. Mm. Uh, get it. It's just it's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we're moving into fall, so uh, I'm going to recommend sweaters. I like sweaters. <laughs> you are not uh, going to recommend sweaters. <laughs> yeah, I recommend a good, good fluffy sweater for fall. Yeah. Have you got a good link for one? No, no, no. I won't. Uh, I won't tell you how or where to spend your money. But I just recommend a sweater, maybe one you've already got. You know, so you don't have to go out and find one. I gotta say, I don't think there are any better clothes than fall clothes. No, no. Fall, fall's crushing it in the clothing department. And you do come to work every day looking remarkably like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I've got no issue with that. Um, I've been all on board the, the Mr. Rogers cardigan train for some years now. Um, yep, we are closing up, uh, so uh, we need to thank and plug the royalty-free music that we get courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions, who can be found on the web at sessions.blue. It's royalty-free, which means we don't pay for it, uh, but we do have to plug them, and we're grateful for the work that's going on there. We are North Star Community. You can find us on the web at northstarcommunity.com. Uh, we um, are very grateful to have the resources to share this and grateful for you, uh, for whoever you are and whoever you're trying to be, and grateful that you're listening. Thanks for being with us. We'll check in with you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>